You're listening to Weather Hype, a podcast for casual weather conversation. I'm Min Fun. And I'm Castle Williams. In this week's episode of Weather Hype, it's all about color and how the National Weather Service uses color to issue severe thunderstorm and tornado watches and warnings. We'll also be talking about the variety of colors, the dozens of colors actually, that the National Weather Service uses in issuing those advisories, watches, and warnings, and how confusing it can get, but then the push by some in the weather community to simplify the whole entire process. After those discussions, we'll take a look at the UK Met Office and see how they use color in issuing their watches and warnings. And last, we'll look at colorblind individuals and see how the massive use of these colors may impact them. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five day forecast By the time they hear me I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring I was born on a storm when I get gone I get gone and I don't need anyone to know better Hey, Castle. Happy Thursday. I almost forgot what day of the week it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are you? Um, I'm pretty good. It's just storming like no other here. We've gotten a lot of flooding the past couple of days. Um, a lovely stationary front is stalling across our area. So we're just getting inundated, which again was the word of the podcast <laughs> a couple of podcasts ago. And so, yeah, we've had a lot of rain and it's been kind of an issue. There was actually a really cool video. I'm going to try to get, uh, that posted on the website of somebody actually water skiing off behind a vehicle, like a truck was driving through flooded roadways in savannah which is totally not a good thing to do that truck could have been swept away swept away by the water but it made for a pretty unique viral video so so they were skiing they weren't like on a jet ski right yes sorry they were water skiing okay yeah they were um there was like a string or a rope attached to Mm -hmm. the truck and then the truck was like driving like 20 miles an hour and then the people behind it were uh were uh, water skiing behind that and it looked like a lot of fun, but um, I don't think it's very safe. <laughs> there, there was a disclaimer by a TV station that posted it on their Facebook page and was like, please don't try this at home because you're not trying to, you don't want to tell people to do that. But at the same time, you can't help but laugh and smile a little bit, even though I know it's a terrible thing to be doing. But, you know, it's so amusing. Yeah. <laughs> and you, uh, you graduated last week, right? Yeah. How'd that I go? Did. It was, it was good. Um, I'm probably very weird, but I don't really understand. I mean, I understand graduations, but I'm never like overly excited or overly happy because I feel like I've earned like all the knowledge and stuff that I've done throughout the entirety of the degree is what I've earned. It's not going to this one day and getting something. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm always kind of like not the best person on graduation day, but. <laughs> But someone did tell me a great quote, and it really made me understand more what graduation day is about. And they're like, you just need to deal with it. It's not about you. It's about your friends and family and them celebrating what you've accomplished. And so I was like, you know what? That's true. It's I've done all the hard work this whole time, and this is their chance to get on the same track with me and reap the benefits of your hard work. And be happy for me, too, at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's just... For them, it's like there's it's this one day where they can be happy. And then for me, it's like I've worked hard over this entire degree to get what I've earned. So 
puts it into perspective. I mean, it's kind of like a wedding, too. People say a wedding is not about the people getting married. It's actually about everybody yeah. else, which is um, you being selfless and, and just sucking it up for a night and a day and just doing the ceremony and, and whatnot. But, I mean, all the fun happens afterwards and whatnot. But um, <laughs> that sounded really bad. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's the same thing, too. I think the last time I was really happy about a graduation was probably high school because we all sat together. We all walked across stage. When we graduated from UGA, we didn't get to walk across the stage. No. We didn't have a departmental graduation. Um, so there was really never anything like that. But I, I definitely enjoyed high school graduation. And college graduation was fun, too. And we saw fireworks at the end. But our yeah. commencement speaker was so boring. So boring. And this year for UGA, they had Ryan Seacrest, yeah. which is... I Did he go to your commencement no, he ceremony didn't. too? I wish oh, he would have. I'm jealous of those darn kids that got Ryan Seacrest. And we got some representative from Georgia, like political yeah, um, person. News fest. I'm like, I think I actually fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Seacrest, he went to UGA Correct. for, I believe, a semester. Before oh, really? he dropped. I think he has yeah, a degree. Dro- no, I don't think he... He never finished his degree at oh. Georgia. So people were kind of annoyed because he left Georgia before he finished. He went to become a famous radio DJ in LA. And then obviously American Idol host is where he really became famous. And now he has his own show on air with Ryan Seacrest. And then um, they honored him at the UGA commencement ceremony last week with a doctorate in humane letters, I think is what it's called. Yeah. So an honorary doctorate. Right. And people were beforehand were kind of annoyed because they're like, why don't you just give him a normal honorary degree? Why does it have to be an honorary doctorate degree? Especially because he never finished from UGA. And people were like, well, you know, what are we setting our example as for kids? Like you can go to college, drop out and be successful. And I'm thinking, yeah, why not? Some people do that and they're fine. You don't have to push people to go to college, you know? No, I mean, it's to each their own. Every person has their own talents and things. So they need to figure out what works best for them and do it. All right. Well, how about we jump into our weather conversation? Our casual weather conversation? Casual weather conversation. (laughs) I'm down for that. All right. So I guess we'll jump into our conversation about color a little bit. So... Castle, when you see a severe thunderstorm warning or a tornado warning or even a severe thunderstorm watcher warning on a map, either on TV, on your weather app, on a computer, uh, how is that depicted to people and, and what do those warnings and watches even really mean? So I guess when I see them, they're normally on television. It pops up in a, like a little box in the bottom of the screen and it has like it shows your state outline. It has the county outlines and a certain county is colored in if it's like a watch for a a large area but if it's like a tornado warning so there may be a polygon that's colored in which depends based on if it's a severe thunderstorm warning tornado warning a flood warning all those have different colors that represent the hazard but we've also seen you know a tornado warning with different colors i've seen a tornado warning with the color red before but i've also seen a tornado warning with a pink outline to it so what is it is it pink is it red same thing with severe thunderstorm warning i've seen yellow like a dark golden yellow mm-hmm. but I've, I've also seen a um, light pink to illustrate the same thing what colors do they use and, and which one's the right one is there a right color yeah so i think that is the biggest issue we're having and par- part of the reason why we're having this podcast on color is we've seen certain episodes or different severe weather events where there is a certain color being depicted on television 
there's a certain color being shown on social media like Twitter and Facebook. And then there's a, a completely different color being shown on like the National Weather Service's website or the, the Storm Prediction Center's website. So it's kind of goes back to our whole consistency thing. What is the color that sh- we should be using? And should we even be using a different color for every hazard? Yeah, because I think um, when I was looking at it, there was a graphic from the National Weather Service showing that a severe thunderstorm watch was in yellow. This is for April 25th, right. uh, 2016 this year. One office showed the Chicago area under a severe thunderstorm watch, and that box was yellow. Then there was a local, another local office that had a severe thunderstorm watch, and that was in a kind of a pinkish color Mm -hmm. and then they had another graphic showing the severe thunderstorm watch to be in blue for the storm prediction center so it goes back again to the idea of consistency and making sure that across the lines are showing the same color it's kind of confusing and i don't know you know we obviously think of weather and, and society in a different way as opposed to a strict meteorologist who is focused on forecasting or a public person who is just watching TV. Mm-hmm. Do you think that these color changes really have a really big impact on how people perceive the threat and what the threat is? Yeah. And that's something that I think we've talked about before is these things mean so much to us as an entire weather enterprise in communicating these risks. Should we have different colors for different hazards? But then like you said, the question comes down to it. Does the public even give... Give a rat's ass? Yeah. If I went and asked my friend, what does the color red mean in terms of weather? Are what I'm sure they, they may say tornado warning. or But then if I'm like, what about a slightly less of a red color? So I, I don't know the right answer to that. But that is something that I think we need to look more into. So is there a a movement or a push to make the colors more consistent for watches and warnings for those specific ones? Because I know that, I mean, there's the hazard simplification movement that's going. That has right. something to do with all the the many colors that we use already. So mm-hmm. I guess we can touch on that even too then because the National Weather Service, we have what, 120-something different weather threats that we face, and there's 122 different products that are used to... Uh, convey the threat to people right right so those include anything let's pull up the list real quick shall we um yeah so red is supposed to be a tornado orange is supposed to be a severe thunderstorm and then we have we have flooding products right we have flash flood warning flash flood watch but we also have a normal flood watch flood warning which is different from a flash flood watch and warning then we have things like a hydrologic statement or hydrologic outlook which has more to do with um, significant rains and seasonal outlooks. Um, oh my gosh, we just have so many. I want to let's find the weirdest one we can find. There's one that's like a volcano warning. <laughs> I mean, I really hope they don't have to use that anytime soon. But yeah. I mean, it definitely could happen, especially with the whole Yellowstone National Park thing going on. Who knows? Oh, here's one: an air stagnation advisory <laughs> issued through the guidance of the Texas Commission of Environmental Quality, has something to do with unhealthy air. So why don't they just call it an air quality advisory? Why do they have to call it an air stagnation advisory? It just gets complicated. There's just so many things out there. And for each one of those, there's a different color, right? Yeah, there is. And some of these colors are... It's hard for me even to determine the difference between the two colors, like shelter-in-place warning and tsunami warning. Those are like so close. They're both like a peach or like salmon color. 
but one is like slightly darker than the other one. I'm sorry, what is that? Salmon? 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 I say salmon, salmon. sorry. No, that's, it's just interesting to hear. Uh, we're both from Georgia, but it's funny how accents can change one part of the state versus the other part of the state. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's just interesting. All those advisories that we have, and technically there is a specific color for each advisory, watch, or warning, but who's going to be able to know the difference between them? Right. And sometimes we have advisories that have similar colors adjacent to each other on a weather map. And there is no way anybody could, could figure that out. Like, oh, that's actually a winter storm watch versus a wind chill watch. Because mm-hmm. that could happen during a winter weather, you know, yeah. really, really cold air and, and a winter storm. But who's going to even know how to, you know, fix that? And so we'll touch on it briefly because we want to actually dedicate another podcast to it. But there is a movement called or a what do you call that? Initiative? I yeah, I guess initiative is the okay. best word. So there's an initiative called HazSimp, Hazard Simplification, where they're trying to take over a hundred of those advisory products and colors and simplify it to something simpler that can still tell people the dangers that they're going to face, but then put it in an easier way, A, with less color, and then B, not different shades of a similar color, because that just, again, makes it really complicated. And then from there, then they can still get the warning and message out to people without it being so confusing, because there, there doesn't need to be, you know, two Crayola boxes of color <laughs> choices to use. I mean, when I was a kid, we only had a 64-pack. You're yeah. doubling a 64-pack to get 120-something colors. Um, maybe even more than that. And I just don't know how, I mean, how do you use, what do you describe those colors to be? It's not just pink. You have to get like auburn and you have to go like intense colored language. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, seafoam green or, you know, reflection from the moon gray or (laughs) I don't know. I'm just trying to make something up, but it's just confusing. And I don't know how you even describe those colors. If they even have names for them or someone just went into Photoshop and was like, I'm just going to move my mouse slightly to the left and that (laughs) will be my new color. (laughs) Yeah. So it's also interesting to see the prioritization of the weather products based on the National Weather Service and the color that goes along with those products. So when we saw during Hurricane Sandy in 2012, a hurricane was threatening the New England coast, New York City included. And there were some points where the winter storm advisory products were actually uh, on top of the hurricane advisories, right? So people were seeing more so a blizzard warning or a uh, winter storm warning as opposed to a hurricane warning. And that was uh, problematic in how people perceived the threat. So, Castle, what what is priority then? What severe weather event takes priority over another one in terms of how it's displayed on a weather map for the National Weather Service? Uh, So, according to this list that we have, and we can definitely post this on the website, so the number one priority is a tsunami warning, and that is the color tomato. Um, (laughs) second priority is a tornado warning. So that's the highest severe weather warning, I guess. And that's red. Then we have extreme wind warning, which is dark orange, and then severe thunderstorm warning, which is just plain orange. That is really interesting. So in a situation where a tornado is hitting a city that is also being threatened by a tsunami, which let's hope that never happens. But if it did, you would see a tomato color on the map 
and you would not see a red because tomato means tsunami and a red means tornado and the tomato would cover the red. So a tsunami in their mind is more uh, dangerous and poses a more dangerous threat than a tornado does. Correct. Okay. If we continue down the list, uh, you said number three, the extreme wind warning, number four, severe thunderstorm warning, and then so on and so forth. But what's at the bottom of the list then? What's, what seems not important at all? The last thing on the list, which there are 123 weather alerts that are issued. So I guess the least prioritized is short-term forecast, which is 121 and it's pale green. Why does that even need a color? I don't get it. Shouldn't everyone have a short-term forecast? Yeah, I don't know what that even means. Hmm. I'm sure it's on that list from the National Weather Service Brownsville that we talked about earlier. So we could go back and look at that. Okay, here's another question. Why did the hurricane local statement take precedence over a typhoon local statement? They're both the same thing. Probably because we see hurricanes more here, correct? I suppose. So So is there any United States land area that has typhoon alerts over hurricane? Because the hurricanes are what impacts Mexico and the eastern pacific in hawaii those are still hurricanes not typhoons so i'm wondering why they even need to have a typhoon local statement in here oh guam guam would probably be is a u.s territory and is affected Mm. by typhoons so maybe that's why but We can actually take some notes from other folks who are doing something similar to this, too, because in the United Kingdom and England and that region of the the world, they have a simpler process in terms of watch warnings and advisories, right? Yeah, they do. And um, for the most part, I think they've been pretty successful from some of the uh, different presentations and things that we've heard at AMS conferences and that sort of thing. And so what they've moved on to doing is just having four colors, which are green, yellow, orange, and red. So simple colors that we don't have to come up with crazy intense names for. So but what they do differently is they use the color to determine the level of threat. So a green would be no threat. A yellow would be be aware or that, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. And so instead of having a different color for each hazard, instead of having a tornado, a severe thunderstorm, a high wind, all those different hazards having a color, they're pushing it onto the threat. And so the threat has now has a color versus the hazard. Is there, so if there's, the threat itself is not colored, how do you tell somebody like, okay, today is a orange alert day. Mm-hmm. Do is there a way to tell them what kind of threat they'll be seeing, whether that's yeah. a snowfall or that's going to be a thunderstorm or a tornado? Right. And I'm glad that you asked this because what they have started doing is having different icons that show what the actual hazard is. Like if it's a wind, they have their wind icon that's also orange. So that area has an orange level threat of wind. And so I think we could also dedicate an entire podcast to iconography, especially in the weather enterprise and how we use icons to talk about the weather, to communicate the weather. And so I think we could talk about that at another time. But the important part with the UK Met Office is that they're pushing their four colors onto different icons of hazards. So they have a raindrop, three raindrop icon. And that is supposed to represent, I assume, rain or right. flooding. Yeah. They have a windsock mm-hmm. to uh, for wind. A snowflake is for winter type weather. Yeah. Um, there's a car that's like 
swerving in the roadway. I assume that might be travel conditions or fog, maybe. Maybe. Um, you know, I'm not even digging into what they mean. I'm interpreting what I think they mean. And then I guess we can go in and try to figure out. They also have three lines for an icon. I'm not really sure what that would mean. Okay, here we go. So raindrops, the three raindrops means rain, the windsock means wind, the snowflake means snow, the car swerving icon means ice, and then the three line on top of each other uh, means fog. So that's okay. what they mean. It was just interesting to go through it and see what do you, I think it means and if it actually is intuitive right. <laughs> or not. And for the most part, it's intuitive, though the fog and the ice one are a little bit more uh, less intuitive, I think. But if people can see that and understand that, um from trial and error then i think that'll be okay but they're also they're also kind of difficult concepts to convey in one little icon so that's an important thing to keep in mind as well so they probably did a good job relatively speaking yeah i think so i think compared to some of the other graphics we've seen i think the uk med office did a great job (laughs) but yeah so this uh some some people call it this stoplight kind of uh color scheme People see it frequently, so they know that red means stop, yellow means caution, green means go or you're fine. And so I think they're playing off that, and that's really what's helping make it successful. And so I'm not sure if you know if if HasSimp is thinking of going this color scheme route or what their thoughts are on that. I think there have been conversations, again, at these um, American Meteorological Society meetings and conferences where we come together. They've talked about the UK Met Office system, and I don't think that that system will completely work and be adaptable to what we're using now and having um, the UK Met Office system replace what we have. But I think that there can be some kind of give and take a middle point between their new system over in England and our system here and maybe mesh them together in a in some kind of complementary way because we face a lot more hazards in the United States and we cover a much larger area compared to England and uh, the United Kingdom. So I don't think that their, their system is a little bit too simplified for what we face, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is definitely... I like the way they're going with the color. It might just take more icons. I don't know. Right. But um, the color system, I think, is very intuitive because, yeah, we all have... We know what a traffic light is. Yeah. And despite them driving on the left side of the road, they also <laughs> still have traffic lights. So it's okay. We all know what red, yellow, and green means. Um, so I think that that is a really good system. It'll take a lot of research and studying to figure it out, but I'm very curious to hear about the uh, hazard simplification um, initiative Mm -hmm. from our friend Gina. So I'd like to talk with her very soon and uh, make that a podcast episode, I think. No, I think that would be great. Speaking of research, there is one study that I would like to mention, which was when I went to the National Weather Association meeting in Oklahoma City this past year, I met a woman named Lynette Grant, who is a Valparaiso undergrad, and I believe she just graduated. Um, Her focus was more in broadcast meteorology, and so she was really interested in going through all these colors and seeing where different weather graphics were, like discrepancies existed between weather graphics. And so she had some really shocking results about showing like five different maps for one area that had different colors. So it was pretty interesting. And so I'll, I'll throw up a link on the website to that if people are interested in looking at it. And so I just wanted to give her a little shout out for that. So Castle, we talked about some potential remedies to the system that we have right now in in terms of how complicated our watch warning advisory system is in terms of all the colors. 
We also talked about the UK Met Office and how they have a relatively simple way to convey dangers that they face over in the United Kingdom. But that method may not actually be very effective for folks who are disadvantaged, let's say folks who are colorblind, right? Right. And so that's like some of the issues and challenges that we face with both the UK Met Office's uh, issuance of these warnings and the use of their colors, as well as like the HazSimp and the areas that we're going with the Hazard Simplification Project. So do you know much about colorblindness? <laughs> a little bit. From my expertise, I had a cartography class at um in school, like a GIS class, and my professor was actually colorblind. And when you're making maps in GIS and cartography, you use a lot of different colors and color schemes, different color ramps. And it's important to make sure that what you're illustrating is easily discernible because you have different categories and a legend for, you know, what the colors mean. So we definitely understand how important color can be. But my professor being colorblind, a lot of times she was very cognizant of the fact that uh, some color ramps were just really bad for folks who are colorblind. She would look at her map and be like, okay, I'm colorblind. This doesn't help me. And she can't see red and green very well, I believe is what she told us. So if you have a map with a lot of red and green, then it looks the same to her and she doesn't really get what's going on. She rather prefers to have a color ramp where you're starting from like having one color and changing the value or the saturation of that color. So if you have a blue base color, you would have a very, very light blue. Gradually, it gets more uh, saturated and the value increases and it becomes a darker blue to the point where the highest value will be a very, very dark blue as opposed to a small value, which is a light blue. And for her, that was easiest for her to see. And we talked about it earlier. A weather map has a lot of red and green for maybe a tornado warning or a flood warning, flash flood warning. But there are other types of colorblindness too, right? Yeah, and it's kind of shocking that you said that you said she was a woman, right? Like your professor was a woman? Because most colorblind individuals usually end up being male because of the X chromosome and the the mutations are on that. So that was kind of surprising. But yeah, there are different types of... is there a percentage of people who are male, um, female? So I focus more on like North American and European individuals because those are the two weather systems that we're currently critiquing. So as many as 8% of men and 0.5% of women have like some type of European descent are colorblind. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she is, like, extremely rare to have colorblindness as a as a female. Wow, very interesting. Yeah, only 0.5% of women. That's not that's well, a very small amount. Well, women with a European descent, so... Oh, okay, yeah. so a very, very much smaller percentage of right. all women then. Yes. Okay, gotcha. But that, that same theme echoes throughout the entire world. It's a much smaller percentage for women. Um, but yeah, like you said, there are various different kinds of colorblindness. Um, but the two main types are red and green colorblindness, like your professor. And then there's also blue and yellow colorblindness. And so, like you said, red and green colorblindness is kind of something that we should touch on because a lot of weather graphics, a lot of weather technology, a lot of these watch warning and advisory colors are red, green. They have a lot of those colors in them. But even if we think about like the weather radar, like that goes, that has a color ramp that goes from like uh, green up to red. So there's lots of different systems that we currently have in place that these individuals that have red and green colorblindness would really be impacted from. So there's a really nifty website then that actually helps folks making maps or products to um, tailor their product to someone who's colorblind, picking colors that colorblind people can actually maybe more easily identify, right? 
Right. And it's called um, Color Brewer. It's after a professor. I'm forgetting where she's from, but um, her name is Dr. Brewer. And so she's like a professor of cartography or color or something like that. I remember learning about this in cartography. Yeah. Dr. Brewer. Um, I think they're from Pennsylvania State. Penn State. Oh, okay. And so her website is basically a place you can go to figure out what colors work best for certain situations. So they have various color ramps of different colors, but then there are also options that are like colorblind for colorblind individuals. There's ones that are print friendly so that when you print the map, it still relays the type of information that you're trying to show. And there's also photocopy safe. So if you're making printouts and copying them for a class and you still want to make sure that those gradients show up, then they have certain selections for that. But the colorblind safe really stood out to us and we thought it would be a great thing to showcase for this podcast specifically. Yeah, no, I think it'd be great. And I think we've used a couple of those color ramps and color schemes in our class too. And our teacher approved of them, which is very nice. But I'm glad that they acknowledge the fact that uh, we need to do something to help folks who are colorblind. Because, you know, a lot of times you're saying 8% of European descent males and 0.5% of European descent females have colorblind issues. And to most people, that's such a small amount of people. Right. Why should we do so much for a small minority? And to me, I've talked to people about it recently, but the way we treat our minorities and folks who are not in the majority really says a lot about us as a society mm-hmm. in making sure that we don't leave anybody behind. And if we can do something and it's really small, a small gesture can go a long way. And it doesn't have to be something drastic, but right. something very small by just making sure the colors are um, understandable to everybody is going to pay off in the future. Just because you suffer from colorblindness, it wasn't your fault that you were right. colorblind. It, it just happened to be that you were colorblind. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't have to face issues because of that. You should definitely live in a society that can acknowledge that and then also work with you to make sure that you're not left behind. No, I totally agree. And I've been trying to think of some different ideas or suggestions for the National Weather Service or the UK Met Office or anyone that's interested in making graphics or maps that are more colorblind safe. And so I want to run some of these by you and see what you think. Um, so kind of like the color brewer, I think it'd be really cool if the National Weather Service or the UK Met Office had a clickable box that you could have a colorblind safe option. And so you could click on it and then the whole map would change and you could select whether you are red, green colorblind or yellow, blue colorblind. And so that would be something that not everyone has to see. But if you are specifically colorblind, you could go in there and select that option. That's such a good idea. Why have they not done that before? Uh, let me talk to somebody about that because potentially I can, we have connections in the world where we can maybe bring that up. So yeah, let's talk about that because I think that could be very, very important and very simple too. And so one other idea that I had was um, there could possibly be a colorblind Twitter account from the National Weather Service that could tweet out maps that were colorblind safe. They may not be like specific area focused. It may have to be more uh, large scale national maps or regional maps. I mean, I guess you could have a lot of Twitter accounts for different areas, but that way an individual who is colorblind could go and follow that Twitter account and then they could receive those colorblind safe maps in their feed or on their uh, timeline, etc. That's a pretty good idea too. And I think anytime that if you have a map and you have a legend or annotations to tell you what you're looking at, that can definitely help too. Because imagine if you're watching the TV and 
there's not a you can't just switch the mode on your TV to change it to right. a colorblind safe map. As long as there's annotations on it to show you what you're looking at, then I think that someone who can watch it, who is watching it, uh, doesn't have to rely solely on the color, but they can also look at the wording and and figure it out that way too. And hopefully have the um explanation from the meteorologist on TV about the situation going on, so they know. Um, but no, I think what you're saying is such a great idea. And again, a low hanging fruit, we can totally tackle that issue <laughs> and make it happen. Um, it just takes the initiative within the organizations responsible for this to make it work. So I think that's a great idea. So, Castle, did you hear about the meteorologist in California, how uh, she was doing the weather on air? And apparently she was wearing, what, a revealing dress or something, and someone told her to cover it up? Yeah, I did hear about this. I didn't realize it was in California, but I did hear about it on Twitter and in our little messaging group. So it was it was quite the quite the scene i would say yeah so meteorologist liberty chan she is a meteorologist at ktla in in, uh, los angeles california and she was wearing a black dress that had sparkly things on it i don't don't know the details and tassels yes and she was wearing that dress and uh her co-worker her co-anchor came over and was off the camera, but you can see her while she was doing the weather sweater, like a gray mm-hmm. sweater was floating. Match. And she's like, wait, what do you want me to do with that? And he's like, hey, can you put on this uh, jacket sweater thing? Because uh, we're getting a lot of emails from people that aren't very happy. And so she graciously put it on. She's like, well, you know, I mean, people aren't always happy with what I'm wearing, but okay, cool. I'll put it on. And she was saying that she wore the black dress that she was wearing because um, she had a different dress picked right. out and it wasn't allowing her to move in the way that she wanted to in, in order to uh, point at things on the map and things like that. And so she actually switched into that other dress because the other dress was not working for her. So there was a lot of uproar about people were calling her co-anchor like a sexist mm-hmm. uh, for doing that, for making her cover up because they were saying that if a man was on TV, an equivalent situation would maybe be, oh, you know, his tie color doesn't match his right. shirt <laughs> or something like that. And no one would call you out on that anyway. So people were mad because they were saying calling her out like that on air live mm. is a real slap in the face. That was really messed up and shouldn't have done that. Uh, do you agree? What do you think? I mean, I don't agree with what he did. If it were me, I would have waited until her weather cast was completely finished because she's there for the weather. That's her job. So I think they should have let the weather cast go on. Then once she came off during a commercial break or something, they could have assessed the situation better. Like we're getting lots of emails. Do you think this is a good idea? What do you think we should do? Versus dangling a sweater and saying we're getting a lot of emails. It frustrates me too because she she released a statement a defending her co-anchor and saying that they banter around all the time and they they get along very well and so that was kind of um, him poking fun at her and and messing with her live on air they have that chemistry and so she was defending him saying that he didn't mean anything uh, bad by what he was doing it was kind of a little bit of a joke and he took responsibility for um, how his joke was perceived because it definitely was not in good taste but I think that she hit a 
very clear point in saying that the people who are emailing and complaining about her dress, they're not even focusing on the information she's right. giving. She's a meteorologist. She's a scientist. And she's trying to get weather information out there to the people. And people are talking about her clothes and what she's wearing. The broadcast industry is tough because you have to satisfy the people watching and you have to be able to do the science and forecast correctly. And balancing those two can be quite difficult. And for her, she was saying, you know, if you're going to critique me, critique me about my Mm -hmm. weather, about my forecast, not about what I'm wearing. You know, what I'm wearing should be completely irrelevant to anything else. And, you know, it's not like we saw anything. Her dress was fine. There was no, like cleavage or there was like oh was she showing too much arm it's 2016 we can show her ankles it's okay you know real (laughs) and we can show a little shoulder i'm sure and and i just it just upsets me and you know i started off wanting to do broadcasting for a while too and that was kind of what turned me off i have to put on makeup if i want to be on tv because in hd you can see literally everything on your face and it's kind of uncomfortable (laughs) and a little unsettling too but you have to look good. I always joke with people. I was like, you have to look good. You have to talk well. You have to smell good. Even though they can't smell you on TV, <laughs> I feel like you still have to smell good just to, you know, keep appearances up. Because if you were not as attractive in the TV industry, unfortunately, physical looks really affect how well you can potentially do in a world where aesthetics and looks are very important. Yeah, and you bring up a good point. I'm obviously from a scientific perspective, I'm wondering if a more appealing physical or looks perspective would make someone listen to the message better or more often, or would they retain the message because they were focused on the physical look or would that get in the way of the message? I don't know. There's just lots of things that I'm thinking about. Think about in your mind right now, if you're watching the Weather Channel or your local news, do you turn to that person because they are better at forecasting or do you turn to them because they're a little bit more attractive? Some people do, some people don't. We'll purposely tune into a TV station because someone is more attractive than another person and they'll start watching that station more. You know, people might do that. I don't know. And so it can become an issue, but you you bring up a great point. Can you use that attractiveness to actually deliver information? Uh, you always have a knack for doing that, and I really appreciate that because you just turn something into something potentially investigative. And I'm like, huh, maybe someone who looks good on TV and has a way to communicate a threat of severe weather would be more successful than a person who may not have that presence on TV that somebody else does and may not be able to, therefore, um, get the information out there as well. Right. But dang, that's that's some really that's some muddy water right there, you know? One more point, and you know I do love to play devil's advocate, but this may be going too far. And You are the devil himself. <laughs> you are Hades. If this is going too far, you can tell me, but I'm just curious from a more of a scientific perspective. If her co-anchor was a woman that gave her the sweater, would that have been perceived differently by um, all these people that are in an uproar about this? Ooh, I think it would have. I don't know how it would have, but I feel like people would change their tune a little bit in a Mm -hmm. way because maybe having a woman recognize that a different woman is dressed a little bit too revealing may make it a little bit better because it's like a woman on woman kind of Mm -hmm. talk situation where it's more comfortable and comforting to see a woman talk to a woman about a woman issue as opposed to a man telling a woman what to do. I think that perception really made people frustrated but the man really wasn't telling her to do anything Mm -hmm. really he was just like joking around with her and it wasn't some kind of 
um, power trip or authoritative man has more power over women right. kind of situation. Um, I think it was just perceived that mm-hmm. way. But if a woman co-anchor were to have given her the sweater to cover up, um, I think that would definitely have made it a little bit less of an issue. But people may have still talked about it and been like, oh, why are women always attacking other women? We right. should be supporting each other as opposed to tearing each other down. I could see that perhaps being the reaction to it rather than the reaction that we currently have. Right. So uh, the other night I was kind of bored and it was around 1130 and I don't sleep until pretty late. I'm a little bit of a night owl and I had a uh, nostalgic moment. I wanted to watch some old Disney Channel, either a movie Ooh. or TV shows. Yeah. Do you get those often? No, but I, I have some fond memories of those shows. <laughs> what was your favorite uh, DCOM, Disney Channel original movie? Oh, I think my favorite was Smart House. Do you remember Smart House? Dude, Smart House was so cool. That was one of the original. I think that came out in the early 2000s, didn't it? I don't know. I haven't seen it on in a while, but it was... Dude, Smart House was was crazy. That hologram lady was so creepy. I know. I always wanted... Isn't she on an older show, too? Like, um... I don't know if I remember who it is. I remember her. She's on, like, uh, Cheers or some old show that I have known nothing about. I'm going to IMDB Smart House real quick because we need to know the answer to this information. Um, okay, Smart House actually came out in 1999. Oh, wow. Holy moly. 1990s. Holy crap. Well then, Katie Sagal, and she was Pat, and she was in, uh, dang, her uh, filmography is very, oh, she was in the TV show Married with Children oh, okay. for 10 years. That was the show that she that was, was in. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, dude, Smart House was insane. That was a great movie, and it was so scary, I because I was like, oh, what a loving woman who has great, you know... <laughs> abilities to take care of these children (laughs) and then there was like automatic food and just a whole bunch of cool stuff and i was like you know we definitely have houses like this nowadays except without a creepy hologram woman (laughs) for all of you who haven't heard of smart house it's basically the plot is like i don't even remember much of it did like the family win this house or i think they yeah i think they won this house and they moved in and it's like really cool there's like like men said there's automatic food there's like lights that change by themselves and like the TV can cut on and you talk to this, this voice that's kind of like Siri or like pre Siri and she like does stuff for you. <laughs> pre, did you say pre Siri? Pre Siri, yeah. Before Siri was even invented. <laughs> oh man. And I'm pretty, pretty sure Siri was based off of Pat from yeah, Smart House. Exactly. We found, <laughs> we found it. We found their, their <laughs> hidden blueprints. But then it like something goes terribly wrong. I don't remember what happens. And she starts being evil. And the smart house basically tries to start killing the family. Not like literally. It's a Disney Channel movie. But they like. Yeah, there's no killing. But I mean, they try and harm them, I guess is a better word. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't really remember. Like, there's lots of holes in the plot in my brain. But I remember though the twister. She she created a oh. uh, storm inside the house with the twister and thunder and rain. I don't remember that. Because she was getting upset. Yeah. I remember a lot about That's that movie. Cool. It was it was one of my favorite too. That was a good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Um, because one of my favorite movies was Cadet Kelly, mm. which is funny. Um, my mom and dad and I and my brother too. I remember we all sat down and watched it together, and they liked it a lot too. They are big fans of Hillary Duff. Ugh, love Hillary uh, Duff. <laughs> her music career. It's not. It's still there. It's so good. It's still holding on by a thread, so but it's still there. She came out with that uh da 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 that song that came out yeah. recently about Tinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, 
Um, but yeah, Cadet Kelly was one of my favorite movies, and I felt like it offered a lot in terms of good messages to children. And actually, I thought about it recently how that movie actually affected the way I see things mm. too. I'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, the idea of Cadet Kelly was that a child, Hilary Duff, who plays Kelly, um, her mom is a is divorced, and her dad lives separately but you know they they still see each other blah 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 well her mom decided to uh marry a different man who is in charge of a military mm-hmm. school and so she has to transfer from her school in new york city to a military school and become um accustomed and acclimated to a much different lifestyle where she went to a creative high school for the arts back in new york city she had to go to a strict structured military school with uh different protocols and ways to conduct yourself so a lot of funny uh, moments where she's trying to adapt to the new lifestyle <laughs> yeah there are. but also <laughs> adapting to the fact that she's going to have a stepfather adapting to the fact that she's going to have a new sibling coming into the world and uh, adapting to different friendships too and it was really cool and she became part of the drill team which is mm-hmm. another big aspect of that movie as well um i was on netflix and i was kind of just trying to figure out what i wanted to watch and for some weird reason cadet kelly popped wait up it's on online. netflix it's just you yeah it's on netflix oh my gosh you gonna watch it now yes <laughs> so i was watching it on netflix and i was reliving all those moments and um this is gonna be really embarrassing to say but i got i started crying <laughs> at some of the points of the movie there's nothing wrong with that i don't know it was remember when you're talking about how you release a lot of emotions when you're watching movies that you know will make you yeah. cry and that way you don't have mm-hmm. to actually cry yeah yeah exactly. i was crying watching cadet kelly in some points and i don't know why it was so strange like I almost could empathize with the way she was feeling about being in a new place and trying to fit in and Mm -hmm. it being a struggle, you know, because we've all gone through that. And I kind of went through that a little bit when I moved to a a new city for my master's program. Um, But it was just really weird. I don't know. Maybe my emotions were all like all over the place when I started watching it, too. But I cried like, well, I got teary eyed in like two or three different parts of the movie. And I cried at one part of the movie because A, I was like really just proud of how much she's grown Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a a character. The character development was very strong (laughs) for a DCOM. And uh, just, I don't know, there was so many moments, too. And then her and her caring and loving of her dad and her father. Both of her fathers, her stepfather and her biological father, I thought was a very nice touch by uh, Disney Channel to include in there. But no, it was a great movie and it had a lot to teach you. And I think one of the messages that I got from that movie was, it's okay to have more than one best friend. Mm. Because I always, when I was younger, I always thought, okay, best friend, like they are your best friend. That person is number one and nothing else. But people have different types of friendships and you know, it doesn't matter if you've known them for a little bit or known them for a long time because right. that, I don't know, it taught me a lot about friendship as well. And so um, it was a very nice moment. And I was very happy with the way that that movie ended, <laughs> even though I knew how it ended. <laughs> but watching it again, what, 10, 15 years later uh, was a very nice, uh, nice thing for me to do for myself. You know, just it was great. Speaking of which, also... ABC Family, which is now called Freeform, they're showing old Disney Channel shows from yeah. midnight until two a.m. Yeah, I was gonna. I have thought you that, watched any? No, I, I thought mean, you probably haven't. I thought that's where you were gonna say you watch Cadet Kelly because I know that they're oh, also no, no, no. showing Disney Channel movies at some point. 
I don't know when they're showing the movies, but I know they're showing Lizzie McGuire, That's So Raven, and another couple... Oh, and Hannah Montana in another show between 12 and 2. I have the list of Disney okay. Channel movies. So it's Memorial Day weekend is when they're showing all of them. Oh, they're showing Smart House. Red alert. Oh, they are. They're showing Smart Perfect. House. Perfect. Monday, May 30th at 2.55 p.m. Like the most random time <laughs> they're also showing cadet kelly at 11 55 p.m on that day Ooh, but yeah yes. ev- all day long there are disney channel original movies from may 27th until monday may 30th on memorial day Ooh, i might have to watch a few movies when i'm out in colorado at that time yeah so there's like cheetah girls halloween town xenon xenon girl of the 21st century yeah Zoom, zoom, zoom. Kim Possible movie, High School Musical, all the goods. You know, one of my favorite was The Color of Friendship. Do you remember that movie? No, I don't remember that one. That one was about um, South African apartheid and segregation and stuff. And it really was a very touching and moving movie. And it really talked about something really important that people don't like to talk about a lot of time, and that's race. I'm glad that they talked about it. But um, I need to pull up an, a list of DCOMs, because there are a lot more that I am not thinking about that I mm-hmm. definitely liked a lot. Twitches. Um, I love Twitches. Twitches, yeah, with the uh, Maori sister twins. Yeah, yeah. that was funny. Um, I also um, remember um, Motocrossed. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, there was Luck of the Irish. There was also yes. 17 oh, again. I love Luck of um, the Irish. That one was good, too. Same guy from Smart House was in Lucky the Irish. Yeah, it was about the basketball team, right? Yes. Yes. yes so good. Oh, my God. All right, well. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about this for days. We could talk about this all the whole forever, but let's <laughs> move on to our um, song of the week. Song we? of the week. Okay. Cancel, what's your song of the week? So, this week, my favorite song has been um, Sit Still, Look Pretty by Daya, okay. and it's a new one of hers i don't know if when her new album comes out but um she i don't know if she had an album for her first thing but i think it was more of an ep because there were like four songs so maybe yeah. this will be off of her first album official album um okay. but it caught my attention earlier last week when i was traveling and i heard this song on the radio and i was like wait this sounds like dia this chorus is super catchy and awesome and so i was like it has to be my song of the week <laughs> My song of the week is Megan Trainer's Me Too, mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty good message. She tends to have pretty good messages. She does. I still can't figure out, though, if Dear Future Husband is her being sar- sarcastic and uh, I'm pretty sure satirical. it's sarcastic. Okay, I hope so. Because I, I remember her not... I haven't listened to the interview itself, but I remember someone mentioning that in an interview, she was saying that I'm not a feminist. Mm-hmm. I don't really think about that kind of stuff. Right. And I was like, man, you have such opportunity to to be a voice for for women. But I mean, cool. If you don't want to, it's fine. But you don't have to. Just because you're a celebrity does not entitle, does not force you to be a um an advocate for anything. Or you know, but it's always nice to see people who do take the time to do that. But not a prerequisite to be able to sing, right? (laughs) But anyway, Megan Trainor's song "Me Too" uh, recently came out. It's pretty funny. And it, it's pretty goofy, too. It's just being confident in, in who you are and what you do. Uh, definitely check out the music video, which had a little bit of controversy attached mm, to it. Did it you does. hear about that? No, I haven't actually listened to the song or um, watched the video or her new album, so I have to get on that okay. quick. If I was you, I'd want to be me, too. I'd want to be me, too. Wait, That's what's like part the controversy uh, thing about it? 
So the controversy behind the uh, music video is there originally when it got posted to YouTube, they had photoshopped her body to make it smaller. Oh, yes, I did see this. Yeah. And so it got pulled pretty quickly, but not until it got a decent amount of views and people were lashing out and saying, okay, your song's about being comfortable about yourself and being happy with who you are and, and whatnot. So then why did you photoshop your body? And so she said in a statement that she was not paying attention to that specific dance uh, sequence, you know, and right. where they could, you could really tell the photoshopping happened. Mm-hmm. And she was more focused on um, a different part of the music video that was much harder to shoot. The scene where she was in a vehicle and dancing and, and stuff like that. So she really didn't pay attention to it. But once she did, she said apparently she started crying because she was really mad that they were doing that to her. Yeah. Um, so they removed the edited video and they uploaded the unedited video and finally you can see what she looks like normally but um yeah they had a side-by-side comparison of Mm -hmm. the edited and unedited video and you can definitely tell the difference too um but i just thought that man if if she didn't address that issue that would be very hypocritical for her to uh get photoshopped or edited in the video and to sing about that you know and also singing about um all about that bass no Mm -hmm. trouble you know Mm -hmm. how ironic is it that you aren't actually standing by your words from his song. So there's that that happened. Also, she was performing this on The Tonight Show. At the very end, she was like, she turned around, put her arms in the air, like, thanks, crowd, for coming out and supporting me. And then she, like, stumbled and fell, which is <gasps> oh, no. kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, she was fine. She played off really well. But um, she just laid on the ground for a while just to oh, be no. like, oh, my God, I'm done with life. <laughs> Ha 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 ha! Uh, it was it was really funny though. We were actually supposed to go see her in concert before she. We canceled. were. She canceled. She had her the M train tour, yeah. and you know it was kind of funny. I looked up her opening acts, and I actually wanted to see them more. They were called Life of Dylan, and they were going to open for her. And unfortunately, she had to cancel it because of uh, vocal hemorrhages. Right? Correct. Vocal hemorrhaging. Yeah. Um, but the uh, opening act, Life of Dylan, is one of my favorite uh, bands that I listen to. They've only come out with like four or five songs on their EP album, but uh, they're very cool. They're very different. They're from England, from London, I believe. Um, so if you're gonna check Life of Dylan out, please do. Their song Overload became pretty popular yeah, sometime last summer, um, but it never showed up on mainstream radio i Hmm. did hear it though when i was in colorado i was gonna say you heard it in colorado i think yeah but i never heard it on any of the radio stations here it's actually funny one of the um promos on the one of the local stations in savannah they actually use a sample from the song for their promo (laughs) but they never played the song so i'm like what what is this crap um but yes, in addition to Megan Trainer, check out Life of Dylan. Unfortunately, they are not touring with her this time around, but she is touring again. You ready to start wrapping it up? I'm ready. You can find Weather Hype in a lot of different places, including facebook.com slash weatherhype and also on our website at weatherhypepodcast.com you can also send us a tweet on twitter at weatherhype or send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com you can look us up on itunes and google play and we'd love it if you could leave a review on there to tell people that you hopefully like our podcast and we'd also like to hear any uh constructive criticism or any advice or uh just any comments that you might have we would generally very appreciate that too so yeah 
especially any suggestions for future episodes. We would love to get your input and have you along for the ride as well. Yas. Yas. <laughs> well, I guess until next time, stay hyped. Stay hyped. <laughs>